0: Prayers. And so I wanted to give you a brief overview of our next few weeks. Uh, we are in the process of packing. and uh, The process of the uh, house sale is going well. The inspection has been done. We've gotten that report back. And uh, the appraisal will be done this Friday. And then closing is the 23rd. And uh, So we would appreciate uh, your uh, helping to support us in prayer leading up to that. Uh, On the 14th, Monday the 14th, a week from today, uh, Judson and I will be picking up a Penske moving truck from Hendersonville, the full-sized one with a car trailer, and that day, Monday the 14th, loading it to the gills, and then because Penske is so awesome to do one-way rentals but with unlimited miles, we're going to use it for two trips And they're just fine with that. So we're going to take one load out, um, leave Monday night, take one load out, unload it, then turn around and come back. And then I think probably uh, beginning on Thursday, load up the second load and head out with that. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Judson I will drive back with one of the cars that we've hauled out there after we turn the truck in in Illinois. And then we'll uh, continue wrapping things up here. Uh, I will be moving into the because of when closing is we'll be moving we've already talked to Pastor Capel about this and uh, we're going to be moving into the mission house the last 10 days of the month or so so we'll still be in the area the kids uh, will be attending services here they asked about that they said dad would you be okay if we continued to attend Crossroads uh, this is uh, the only church they've ever known And um, so I'm very happy for them to do that. In fact, I think John Luchek, who's been helping Pastor Capel with the Wednesday night uh, speakers, asked Judson to preach on Wednesday night, the 23rd. And uh, I will be here for that service. Um, I promise you that. But uh, Grace and I are going to be attending other churches pastored by some friends of mine to say goodbye to them. And then that will allow you as a church to begin your transition here And uh, so uh, I wanted to let you know that even though we'll not be attending services here, we'll be in and out and in the area and during the packing process. I've also been working with Pastor Capel to uh, hand over information and contacts and files and things like that so that there is everything ready to transfer to the next pastor Uh, So if you would just continue to pray for us in those things. I know we have meals scheduled with some of you, even though we'll not be, Grace and Baby and I will not be attending here. We have meals scheduled. We'll still be in the area. And uh, uh, so, you know, feel free to get in touch with us. And uh, if you want to spend some time together, and we'll do our best to uh, make that happen. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and... Verse number two, I've wrestled for several days. I knew I wanted to uh, share a message tonight under this title of lessons I've learned um, in the 13 years since we started the church and then pastored to this point, Um, but how to do that and what lessons, because they're more than I can fit in the time we have together this evening. We have learned so much. I was 35 when we started Crossroads. I'm 48 now, and a lot of water has gone under the bridge. A lot of really good sweet water has gone under the bridge. And so there are tremendous lessons that I've learned, but I also know that we're on the brink of a big change. You all as a church are on the brink of a change, a new chapter. And so I'm thinking through this. I'm praying and. This morning, a good friend of mine sent me a verse. He's working through the book of Deuteronomy and his personal devotions, and he sent me a verse, and I'm going to share that verse with you in a few minutes, chapter 2. Uh, but I wanted to start chapter 8. There was a cross-reference in chapter 2 that brought, us, brought me to chapter 8 as I was preparing for tonight. And As I think about lessons I've learned, I think about the context of the book of Deuteronomy. Remember, Deuteronomy means the second law, second giving of the law, that first generation that did not believe God at Kadesh Barnea. God judged them, and they died in the wilderness. And the children they were so concerned weren't going to fare well were the very ones that God protected as the second generation, and now they're the ones that are about to enter the promised land under Joshua's leadership. The book of Deuteronomy takes place. It's a series of several sermons, if you would, Uh, that takes place that Moses delivered in the final months of his life on the eastern side of Jordan. And remember this, Moses was disqualified from going into the promised land. And so he's preparing people, the people, this younger generation, for this big change, knowing that he's not going to be able to go with them through this big change into the next chapter. And so with that in mind, I want you to notice verse number 2. The Lord speaking uh, through Moses, verse number 2, And thou, Moses addresses the nation of Israel as a whole, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thy, thine heart. Now, get this. God was wanting Israel to know what was in their heart. God didn't have any questions about what was in Israel's heart. When you see something like that in the scripture, the point is this. God doesn't ask questions. He doesn't do the things like this because he's limited and has a need for information. Okay. And so he's doing this for their sakes so that it could be known what was in their heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Verse 3, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not now we did have some new testament manna today at lunchtime but neither did thy fathers know this thing of manna that he might make thee know what that man or that man doth not live by bread only but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the lord doth man live thy raiment waxed not old upon thee neither did thy foot swell these Forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. And what does Hebrews tell us about those the Lord chastens? He loves those that he chastens, or whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son in whom he delighteth. Interestingly enough, as you remember from Matthew 4, uh, the book of Deuteronomy was one of Jesus' favorite books to quote from. Now, as I understand it, he quoted From all the Pentateuch, from eight or nine of the prophets, quoted more than any other book from or referenced the Psalms. That says something to me. How many of you would say, and you don't have to raise your hand, but you would say that the the Psalms is one of your go-to books. Okay, You need encouragement, go to the Psalms. You need uh, just settled, go to the Psalms. And uh, Jesus spent a lot of time in the Psalms. But one of the things that's unique about the book of Deuteronomy is in the wilderness temptation, when Satan came to him to test him, Jesus three times quoted from Deuteronomy in order to defeat the temptations of Satan. And so it was a very precious book to the Lord Jesus. And so I want us to just be here for a few minutes this evening And several lessons, as I looked on the verses that we just read, I noticed, first of all, in verse number 2, Moses tells the children of Israel, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. As they anticipated a big change, uh, there's a lesson that he wants them to remember. And it's a lesson that I have learned over the years, and that is this, the importance of learning to follow the leadership of God. The leadership of God, not... Aren't you glad we don't have to deal with hierarchical headquarters somewhere? Okay. But the leadership of God, and that is manifested in so many ways. And let me say this as we think about the importance of learning to follow the leadership of God, we keep in mind that our God is faithful in how he leads, our God is good in how he leads, he is omniscient in how he leads. And so all of these characteristics of our God as we learn the importance and as I've learned more and more, and I still got a lot to learn about this, but learning to follow the leadership of God. He's faithful and he's good. And there are several manifestations of that that come out in this passage and other passages of scripture. The Lord leads through the book. Baptists by history and by nature are a people of the book. The book. What does the book say? That's where we go. That's our sole rule of faith and practice. As Baptists, uh, it's not our, and I've heard people say it's our final rule of faith and practice. The idea of final means you may have consulted other authorities on the way there. But when we talk about our sole rule of faith and practice, uh, the prophet said it this way, to the law and to the testimony. And so we learn to follow the leadership of God through what the book says We learn to follow the leadership of God through the example of Christ as New Testament believers. We learn to follow the leadership. I'm still learning to follow the leadership of God through the filling of God's Spirit. The control of God's Spirit, working through the still, small voice. I thought about the importance in my own life of patience. A pastor friend of mine said, patience is the ability to idle your motor when you want to strip your gears. But really, patience is one of the big characteristics of maturity in the Christian life and one of the testimonies of the control, the leadership of God's spirit. I was thinking about this this morning. There were seven people in the service today who... Over the years, the last years of ministry, we've been able to see trust Christ as Savior. Seven people that were here today, and the thing that was unique about them, and there were others, obviously, but the thing that was unique about those seven is that the process required, because of time, the process required patience and letting the Spirit of God do His work. Not forcing things, not manipulating things, not pressuring things, uh, not... Being aggressive, but letting the Spirit of God do his gentle work. And you know what's interesting about those folks, seven of them, they were all here. I think there was a connection between that and, can I use the term of Scripture, fruit that remains. Okay. And letting the Spirit of God do his work, slow and steady and consistent in the life of those that he's working in. I thought about this as well as it relates to my own pastoral leadership and a lesson that I've learned in contrast to mistakes that I've made earlier and even made later. The servant of the Lord must not strive. Be gentle unto all men, apt to teach in meekness, instruct their patience, instructing those that oppose themselves, lest God peradventure should give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth i got to tell you, there have been a number of times over the years that I've wanted to say stuff. And probably some of you have wanted to say stuff. And learning that I have recourse at the throne of grace and the Spirit of God can do a job in a person's life far better than I can make happen. Okay. And so learning to follow the Lord's leadership as it relates to what the book says, the example of Christ, the Spirit's filling and answered prayer. I believe that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned is let God show his direction through specific answers to prayer. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for direction, pray for God to do a specific work. And it's a lesson I've learned and am still learning. A second lesson and Moses highlights this in verse number 2. Thou shalt remember the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to do what? Humble thee. And to prove thee to know what is in thine heart. And learning the lesson, one of the big lessons, is learning that God's humbling and his hungering work is good. That really struck me that he, it says here that God allowed, verse number three, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. In other words, allowing a need in the lives of his people, a destitution, so that they would be driven to greater dependence upon him. Is it humbling? Is it hard when God allows you to hunger, when God removes something that you love dearly and you wanted? That you had depended on. And for God to remove that and to allow a kind of hungering in your life and the humility that that brings. And yet I can say this that the dependence that results from those times is far sweeter than whatever the blessing was that I may have lost or had removed. Dependence on the Lord. Let us never begrudge anything that God allows in our lives that makes us more dependent upon him. A third lesson, and I get this from verse number 5. Moses says, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that... Or pardon me, back up verse number 3, the middle of the verse, that he might make thee to know that man... Doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. This is one of the verses Jesus quoted in the wilderness temptation. when The devil tempted him to turn stone into bread to satisfy physical hunger. And the lesson that I have learned and am learning is that spiritual food is far better than material blessings. Spiritual food is far better than material blessing. Moses talks about the bread that God gives, not physical bread, but the bread of the word of God that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And then I think more New Testament of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is the bread of life. And I've looked back on these 13 years and a regret that I have among a number of regrets. And I have them. But one of my biggest regrets, as I've thought back, is I wish I would have preached on Jesus more. I wish I'd have preached more about Jesus. Because when you focus on the bread of life, when you focus on Jesus, the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace and and you consider him and you see Jesus and you fix your eyes on him and you look unto Jesus the author and the finisher and and it takes care it takes care of so many of these peripheral issues that we tend to make a really big deal out of when if we would just fix our eyes on Jesus all of the sudden some of these things that we spend a lot of time preferentially debating and discussing and, and hammering home and talking about, they take care of themselves when we keep Jesus as the main thing, the main thing. Amen. And so learning that spiritual food is far better than material blessing. Now, that being said, verse number four, Moses says, "...thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years." And so a fourth lesson I've learned in the 13 years that I've been here is that it's still a wonderful and amazing and an overwhelming thing to see the material blessing of God on the life of this church. When I think about the story of how God provided this property and all of the answers to prayer and the sacrifice Sundays and the well that we drilled and I remember Mike Daniel being here. Jenny and I were at a conference in Pennsylvania, and I was on pins and needles because the church had voted a certain amount of money, eight or $10,000, to go so deep. And I remember we were all praying. I got up that morning, and I sent out an email to the church, a quotation from the Psalms, Psalm 78. I don't remember the exact verse where the Scripture talks about Moses striking the rock and the water, waters gushing out. And Mike had gotten me a little nervous earlier in the day because he said they tried one hole and they had issues with it, so they had to pull out and start drilling another hole for the well. And I'm thinking, man, how many feet did we already lose? And this is expensive, the price per foot to dig a well. Some of us know that. And I'll never forget, right at the at really the max point, um, the guys... With the well company, hit a well that the owner told me later of 40 some years of digging wells in this county. This is like one in 500, or in this area, one in 500. Our well, the average commercial well is like supposed to be 10 gallons a minute of water produced. Our well produces 125 gallons a minute. I think about God's answer to prayer and that I sent out that email. I said, let's pray that that God will strike the rock and the waters will gush out. And Mike Daniel said that when it shot up, it looked like a reenactment of old faithful out there. And I think about the answers to prayer with sacrifice offerings, allowing us to pay cash for so many of the initial and major purchases to get established on this piece of property. Last night at men's prayer meeting, I thought about Names that we have called out over the years, and those people would soon after, we'd call out, Lord, save so and so, and soon after, that person would trust Christ as Savior. And and the wonder, and that's really b- bigger than a material blessing, obviously, but just how God has cared for this church. And in the years we've been here, we can say, our raiment has waxed not old, and our foot has not swelled. God has cared for this church. A fifth lesson that I've learned and am learning is the value of experiencing this, all of this with those you love. I know this is an Old Testament passage, but there's just something special about experiencing the blessings and the work of God with a group of people you love. One of the things I've learned is the, the primacy of the local church. Can I just say this? This is terrible grammar, so all you kids that are home educated, don't take this as an example. The local church is where it's at. Right. Amen. The local church is where it's at. Um, some of you may not know this, but when we started the church, I was teaching at Ambassador Baptist College, and I was... to. The plan was to move me into an administrative position, but God was blessing here at Crossroads. And I'll never forget the day that I went in to talk to the older man on faculty who I I was supposed to succeed him in his administrative position, and he was going to have this huge weight lifted and was going to ride off into the sunset. And I went in and I told him. I said, I resigned from ambassador today. God wants me to pastor Crossroads full time. They'll have me. By the way, that was another answer to prayer. I was wrestling back and forth with that in late 2011. And uh, when I resigned from ambassador, I had not talked to the church. I just came the next Sunday and I told the men of the church, "Guys, God told me to resign from ambassador, and I did." And so here I am. If you want me as your full-time pastor, and it was—I'll never forget this. A couple of men began. To cry. And then I found out later that they had covenanted together to ask God to be working in my heart to bring me to a decision on that. And so I've been the subject of, and what a lesson to learn, I've been the subject of the men of this church praying. And I'm grateful for that. But the wonderful experiences that we've had together as a church and I was going somewhere with that. Oh, Dr. Surrett, the local church is where it at. Dr. Surrett, when I called him in, I said, Dr. Surrett, I resigned from ambassador today. And that means I have no idea what you're going to do about the administrative position. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Nathan, the Bible never says that Jesus died for a Bible college. How can I fault you, he said, for loving what Jesus loves, and putting first what Jesus puts first, the local church. And that has stuck with me. And so I've learned to value the experience of that, the local church, with you who I love. This is the verse the friend sent me this morning, and I'm I'm wrapping this up. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse number 7. I just got two more brief lessons I want to share. He sent this text to me this morning with this verse in it. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse number 7. And I was humbled by this and grateful for it. I think about Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 14. We may look at that in just a moment. But verse number 7, Deuteronomy 2. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hands. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. And the lesson learned from this thought is, I've learned that any good that is done is God's doing. And I want you to remember that. Any good that is done, God's the one that did it. Okay, it's not a man, it's not a church, it's God working through a man, it's God working through a church. Look at Psalm chapter 19, or or, pardon me, Psalm 90, Psalm 90 and verse number 16, Psalm 90 and verse number 16. Interestingly enough, this is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. So here's Moses speaking in a psalm under inspiration. And he says to the Lord, let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let me just mention this. I know that there are different philosophies of ministry out there, and we talk about different well-known preachers who've established these circles of influence. But Crossroads Baptist Church is its own independent, autonomous church. Okay? We don't take our cues even from some big name in ministry, what, no matter how, 30, 40 years ago, whatever it is, we want to stay sensitive to the leadership of the Spirit of God and the unique plan that he has for this local church, okay? Not the way so-and-so, Dr. So-and-so used to do it or what Dr. So-and-so used Who cares about that, okay? We're following the Lord, the Spirit of God. But Moses says in, in Psalm 90, let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. And so learning that any good that is done is God's doing. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And then the seventh and final lesson that I have learned and am learning, not only learning to follow the leadership of God, learning that God's humbling and hungering work in our lives is good, learning that spiritual food is far better than material blessing, learning that it's still an amazing and a wonderful thing, the material blessing that God does give, and learning the value of experiencing all of these blessings, both spiritual and material, to experience them together with those you love. Being together The times of fellowship and seeing God work corporately. And then number six, learning that any good that is done is God's doing through us. And then a seventh and final lesson, and this struck me just as we were getting ready to come, is remembering who it is that's saying this. Moses is the man that God is using to say this. And I've already mentioned this at the beginning of the message. Moses wanted to go into the promised land. He viewed it from the mountain heights on the Transjordan side, the eastern side of Jordan. But because he struck the rock the second time and it dishonored God in the presence of all the people of Israel, God disqualified him from going into the promised land. And yet God was preparing, using him to prepare this second generation to come under the leadership of Joshua and to experience the next chapter. And the thought that I had, the lesson that I have learned and am learning, is this, is learning that God cares for His people in spite of imperfect human leadership. God cares for his people. Moses isn't going to be there to take him across. Moses has been disqualified. And yet that doesn't mean that God's care diminished for the people of Israel. God cares. For Crossroads Baptist Church. God cares for Crossroads Baptist Church. And I'll tell you, you may not be aware of all of them, you're probably aware of some of them, but I've made some mistakes. Some that I'm glad I've forgotten, (laughs) some that I cringe to still remember. You've been patient with me. You have loved me. You have put up with me. And I'm grateful for that. And and I want to just leave you with this before we go to prayer: and that is that this is God's church, you are His people. And he is going to take care of you regardless of the imperfections and the limitations of human leadership, whether it's this pastor or the next. He loved you so much and loves you so much that he died for you. And he has no imperfections, he never fails. Your chief shepherd is perfect. He loves you. And he walks in your midst. And so let us be reminded of these things. Father, thank you for these final thoughts. And I pray, Lord, that we would all together think about lessons that you're wanting to teach us and we're needing to learn. And Lord... For the seven I gave in our time together this evening, I could give another seven and then another seven, yea, 70 times seven. I pray that you'd help us, as John prayed at the beginning of the service, to stay tender, to stay humble, to keep sitting at the feet of Jesus, and to stay close to his heart. Thank you for the reminder that the Lord Jesus Christ is meek and lowly of heart. And when we cling fast to him, we'll find rest for our souls. And Lord, I pray in these final moments of our time together this evening that you would infuse us with hope. Thank you that we can look back on 2,000 years of New Testament history and 4,000 years of Old Testament history before that And be encouraged by the fact that you have not failed the first time. And that you have always worked out your plan for your people. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, Paul told the Philippians, he will perform it until the day of Christ. And so may we rest in the reality of that, your love for us, your goodness in our lives, and your perfect plan for this wonderful church. And I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus, this church's chief shepherd. I pray these things in his name. Amen.